0: And oh, welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putve, uh joined by my co-host, Craig Wilson. Hello. And special guest, Matthew Zader of the Hockey Writers. Welcome to the show, Matt.
1: Oh, it's good to be here.
0: You fill our quota of one Matt per episode. <laughs> uh, Matt Smith couldn't be here. Apparently, the Air Force works during the week. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's, uh, he's in Cold Lake getting set up for uh, an exercise. I believe there's an operation starting as well. So uh, we'll pick on Matt later. But for now, Matt, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you?
1: Well, I uh, write primarily for the hockey writers, actually solely for the hockey writers now, and uh, produce all the YouTube shows over there as well, and uh, write about prospects, the draft, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, hockey writers. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Matthew zader sc um i post when i put my articles out and uh yeah it's hockey's starting so we'll be a lot more coming out
0: oh yeah it's it's a very busy time that's for sure um so what we're doing in this segment is we're previewing the pacific division and matt you are the perfect person for this because you cover the canucks you watch all the pacific games so
2: um and you live out in the Pacific, so yeah. it really works. <laughs> yeah. <Like> you're there. <laughs> right in the middle yeah. of it all. Yeah. The timing, like it's actual time of day, is Pacific time. So
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> What's it like watching Pacific games at a normal hour?
1: It's it's great. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you guys want like I can't even imagine watching game. If you want to watch games out here, it's like ten o'clock when games start, and uh, it's already getting close to midnight when it's over. So, yeah, or not like to, not fun eight. times.
0: <laughs> yeah, normally the games out here in uh, Halifax end around two, two thirty.
1: Yeah, so even worse. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good being out here, being able to watch them at uh, like East games at four o'clock and. Double headers and still be able to go back, go to bed at a decent, uh, decent time.
0: That was my favorite thing when I lived in Victoria. I get home from work, turn on the TV, watch an Eastern game, watch a uh, watch a Pacific Coast game, and then, oh look at that, it's ten o'clock. Right, I can go to bed now. Yeah, just yeah. watch hockey all night long.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I especially like watching the games at three in the afternoon that normally start at like seven or eight at uh, here, yep. but yeah. I don't know. You're not even at the bar yet, the game's coming on. <laughs> so um,
0: for the Pacific, we're going to just dive in now. Um, no pun intended. Uh, the uh, how it, it's supposed to be the weakest division in the NHL this year do you Do you agree, and if you don't, why not?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with that. Um, I mean the strongest team in the division is the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you know, the other teams are in kind of various stages of rebuilds or retools or whatever you want to call it, whatever the fan bases want to call it. Um, you know, they, and the Canucks are in that realm too. So, I mean, yeah, I would say they're probably the weakest division, but you look at it, they're probably going to be the most competitive as well within the division because all the teams are pretty much around the same type of skill level. Maybe the Golden Knights would be above everyone else, but for the rest of them, it's going to be an interesting year to see how um, how it all goes. Because the fact is, you know, it was a whole season where they weren't playing against each other, except the Canadian team, teams. Um, haven't seen LA and the, those rivals for uh, over a year. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all go, comes back uh, pretty quickly. Well, I'd assume
0: it'd come back pretty fast. Oh, but, yeah. Um, and with the, with Vegas... I would be surprised if they don't walk away with it with a good ten point lead over second place.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they're they're the class of the division. Um, much as I hate the Golden Knights, uh, you know, they're they're a deep team. they and we'll get into to them, I'm sure. Um, so I mean, yeah, they're they're going to be. I would be surprised if they don't run away with this division. Unfortunately, um, just from a Canucks standpoint.
0: Well, we can get into them now um yeah <laughs> we, i mean they lost uh they lost their vesna trophy winner in flurry but they kept Leonard, yeah the man that they had in net at the end when they finally lost in the third round to uh who was that again Treg, who, do you remember who who won that series
2: i believe it was the canadians what,
0: <laughs> what how is that possible the canadians should have been swept
2: well, they did play Toronto the first round and they were, they were supposed to be swept by Toronto yeah, and weird. then swept by Winnipeg and then swept by Vegas. <laughs> they were almost swept by Tampa. So, you know, people got close on that one. Well, <laughs> eventually they were almost right.
0: They kept saying the same thing. No, but um, Vegas would clearly, clearly has a good team. That series, that was a tough series for the Canadians who were on a roll at the time. So uh, I, I, what do you think of the changes Vegas made in the off season?
1: Well, I mean, I, I kind of saw Marc-Andre Fleury kind of leaving. Uh, I thought, I thought he was going to leave last season. I mean, it's, there was that the controversy between those two goaltenders started when Leonard was signed. Um, the trade was, was supposed to be imminent right after that signing, but he didn't get traded. And then he comes and goes on this Vesna trophy uh, like season and then wins the Vesna trophy at his age and and now he's in Chicago. So I mean, I think letting him go is probably the best move for the team. Just the fact is because Leonard is there long term. I mean, you either trade, you're either trading a goaltender you just got and signed. And that's probably not the best idea. You know, speaking from personal experience with the Canucks, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, doing that and and then trading the other guy and keeping the guy you said you were going to be trading is usually not good. But I mean, for the most part, I, I don't know. if Vegas really didn't make a lot of huge changes up front. Uh, they did add a couple guys. Um, what's his name from um, from Ottawa? Uh, I can't remember his name now. Oh my gosh! Uh, but I mean, up front, they didn't. They added uh, they added Nolan Patrick there, and uh, he's had some injury problems. He could be a pretty good third, third line center if he's healthy. Uh, probably they're top three lines are going to be really good. Uh, so, I mean, I think up front, their defense is just insane with uh, Petroangelo and uh, Shea Theodore and you know, McNabb. and they're, they're just deep. And then you had Leonard, he's a starting goaltender. So, I mean, I think the Golden Knights just are deep in all the areas. So. Now with Patrick showing up,
0: clearly McCrimmon, McCrimmon had a hand in that because he knew him from his time in, uh, in Brandon. And he really likes his game. Now, Patrick shows up. Yes. He's had a lot of uh injury concerns up to this point, but he's by far the most talented centerman in their system. Now you have him, um, they, they gave up, I think they, yeah. So he he could supplant Stevenson in a top six role.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's, when you're looking at the golden Knights and their top six, whenever I look at their top six and like Stevenson, I never really thought of him as a top six center. I mean, he's, he's pretty, he's really good, but I, I've never seen him as, when you say his name, it's like, you don't think top line center, right? I mean, (laughs) you don't think he's the top line center on a team. Um, So yeah, if Patrick can stay healthy, I definitely can see him kind of coming into that top six and taking over a role there. But you know, chemistry is always a thing too, right? You know, Stevenson yeah. seems to have some chemistry with their with the guys up there. With um, you know, so, I mean, I think yeah, definitely he could.
2: I think that's the biggest weakness with Vegas is their centers. They, they, they're very they're top heavy wingers, and then their centers are just who can like what you said. Who's the best to play with Stone or who's the best to yeah. play with Pacharetti? And let's throw that guy in there. Have a little bit of Kimsey, but other than that, I think they're very weak down the middle.
1: Oh yeah,
2: um, for a team that good, or to be that good, it's, it's odd to have that much of a weakness uh, uh, down the. Middle. I mean, if one Patrick's coming in to be your number one center, you have issues at center. So yeah. nothing against Patrick, but
1: yeah, and Dadnov. It was Dadnov that uh, uh, they signed from from Ottawa. So. And he's, he's a 20 goal scorer too. And he's could be playing on that third line. So, but he's just another,
0: he's another, he's one, another not, winger, not just yeah. another winger. I mean, he he's, he's a good winger, yeah. but the wings were not where they needed the help.
1: Yeah, no centerman and bringing in, you know, Nolan Patrick's a little bit of a risk to me. I, I think because he's still, you don't know what his injury problems, you know, he's had those migraines and it's that doesn't i don't know if that really goes away um, having those intense migraines so we'll see what happens with him this season still really young i mean yeah so hopefully he's he's going to be okay
0: now we're going to move on from the clear cut number expected number 1 in the division to the middle of the pack so there's going to be a grouping of the Edmonton Oilers Calgary Flames Uh, even the vancouver canucks if they can sort their crap out we'll get into that in a little bit uh the kings that that's the grouping i see everyone fighting for those next two spots now we'll we'll start with the battle of alberta who do you think out of those two teams is under the most pressure to actually win the uh, wins uh, a playoff spot and go deeper
1: It's, it's a tough one because looking at Calgary, they're, I don't know, their, their defense is just a mess and they're so slow. I mean, adding good Branson is not your solution. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're going to try to play Daryl Sutter hockey. I don't know if that type of hockey wins you games in this league anymore. Um, at speed and skill. I mean, there's a lot of that now, you look at what Tampa Bay did, uh, Montreal got there with doing playing that way too. I I don't think that type of hockey is doing it anymore. And I think for pressure wise, I think it's the Edmonton Oilers to me, because you're looking at Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. These two guys are getting into their, you know, they're starting to get into their ladder. They still have quite a few years left in their contracts, but they're superstars. They want to win a cup. I mean, and playing on a team like Edmonton, who is always has the skill and the talent, especially up you know those two guys. I mean, they can carry a team only so far. Uh, you still need other guys, but beyond them to be scoring, they still need defense. Their goaltending—I don't even know. I mean, you having Mike Smith and Costman, and again, I—they got to improve. And I said this for years: they got to improve their defense and their goaltending. I mean, I don't know why they never gotten this through their head. You got to—you got to improve that. And I think they're the under the most pressure, in my opinion
0: now beyond nurse their their defense has been in dire straits do you think are there are two young guns who are at camp right now do you think either of them can crack that top four
1: well i mean bouchard can definitely i think uh he's he's gonna probably be the way the you know oilers overtimes youtube show just to plug that a little bit um on the hockey writers, they've been talking about him taking over number one power play duties. And if he ends up being there and with Connor McDavid and dry Seidel and Nugent Hopkins, whoever's on that top unit, he's going to get a ton of assists and he's a, he's a pretty good power play quarterback as well. So we got Tyson Berry as well. So, I mean, he may play there, but if Bouchard, I think he's the probably the most likely candidate to crack that top four but uh, we'll see how it goes uh, as the season starts here. The thing with Tyson Berry is his
2: his points are relative to Drysaddle and McDavid. Yeah, uh, I seen a tweet there during the season, and he had fifty some odd points, or whatever it was. But like all but six of them were dry side Olympic David and McDavid yeah. had and McDavid involved. So, yeah, um, I, I personally think Edmonton is the next best team in the West, basically based on McDavid and dry okay. And if Smith has a year like he had last year, then
0: that, you're asking a lot at that point.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you are like their goaltending is going to, again, like Vegas, Vegas has center as weakness for Edmonton It's their goaltending. But if you look at any team in the West, the West is a weak division. I, I don't know if you agree with me, Matthew, but I think it's probably one of the weakest divisions in the league
1: yeah, I, I agree with that. The East is a lot stronger. A lot of their teams, like I was doing I should podcast. say the Pacific is what I mean. Pacific yeah, the in League. Pacific, even though actually, I didn't say the western conference is is not the strongest conference in general, I think. Uh, there's a lot more tie-end elite teams in the East um, than the West. But I mean, yeah, Pacific for sure is is the weakest. If you look down up and down the teams that are in there. I think there's a lot of what ifs. I mean, if if guys do stuff, if they perform, they may be different, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, that's why I say being so close. And even if it's mediocre close, (laughs) it's still going to be interesting to watch.
0: (laughs) Now, um, I mentioned the Kings as being in that that grouping. And as of last year, they were still in a rebuild. And uh, Rob Blake, the GM there, decided, okay, we're done we're going to start adding players. They went and signed uh, famously out of Montreal, Philip yeah uh, because Dano wanted to, uh, you know, to go to a team where he'd be, he'd be truly valued and used in a top six role because, you know, the center depth in LA, eh, it's not the same as Montreal. Is what was generally kind of floated out by his, his agent, but you look at their center depth. I mean, Kopitar is still there. And he's going to be there for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, you got guys like Quentin Byfield coming yeah. up, uh, Turcot, Turcot, even uh, Kempe. So they're not bad. So, do you feel that that was a mistake on uh, Blake's part to end the rebuild the, when he did?
1: Well, oh, I feel that they probably could have used another year before doing this. Uh, you know, you look at like you said, Quentin Byfield, he's He's he looked really good even playing a couple few games last season. Um, I think he's gonna take over. He may not be a second-line center right now. Um, dano, I think will be that for this season. Um, but I mean when when he gets going, byfield's gonna be a number one center, he's gonna take over Kopitar's spot. And and Kopitar's not young anymore, but he's still a pretty elite two-way player. Right now, I think. I don't think it's the right time to start signing these guys. I think they should have waited maybe a couple more seasons, but maybe he saw something. He said, well, you know, the young guys, they're, they're here. Maybe they're ready to take the next step with some veteran help. So maybe that's, I think maybe his line of thinking.
0: Now the defense on the Kings has been basically drew Doughty and whatever five guys they add to him. But you look at Tobias Bjornfort, and he's he's slated to become a second a second pairing guy. I think there's more to him. He's looking like he's he is close. So, yeah. do you feel they have enough on the blue line to actually compete with the top three in that division?
1: Well, here's another group of defensemen that's just you know Drew Doughty still leads the way. I mean, he's he is a. I don't know. He's one guy that's just, he doesn't seem to age I mean, in the way he plays. He still plays those 25, 30 minutes a night. He's still annoying to play against. Uh, he still leads us to that blue line. But like you said, Bjorn Fort, I think he's going to take a huge step forward in the NHL here. I think he's going to be in that top four. Uh, and they got some promising blue liners coming up as well. So that played last year, uh, got some time. And uh, yes, they may not be household names, but, you know, the, the Kings in general, they're just such a good young team right now. You're looking at all their positions. They're all g- coming along. And I'd say they're probably in the next few years are going to be the best team in the division just because of their young talent If everything hits. Um, there's a reason they were number one in the farm systems the last two seasons or three now. Um, so, I mean, all one once. Everyone starts hitting. This team is going to be hell to play against.
2: Who's going to start for them? Is it going to be Peterson or uh, uh, Quick?
1: I feel it's going to be Peterson. Uh, in the preseason, for what I've heard, he's he's looked really good. Uh, Quick is aging. He still has his injury problems with his uh, hips and his groin. Uh, if he stays healthy, he may get they may split the starts, but I think it's Peterson's net um, this season.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to end up becoming a uh, for, at least for this season, kind of a tandem 40 to 50 games to Peterson's side and quick picking up the rest.
1: Yeah.
0: Um do do you think they have enough to actually win one of those playoff spots though? Um
1: if all the yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, if all the young guys you know hit I mean if they play to their maybe not to their full potential, but if they play If they play well, I think they have enough talent um, to make it. And, you know, the Kings are, they're a really great young team. They have a lot of energy. They got some good veterans now with Arvidsson and Dunneau. You never know. I mean, this team has has a good two lines, I think, uh, to compete in the division. Um, They're going to be an interesting team to watch.
2: So Seattle, brand new team. The entry draft was a bit of a surprise, interesting Interesting, to say the least. It definitely wasn't like Vegas's. Um, You could tell that Francis was cap conscious when he was uh, picking his roster. He went young. Uh, Where do you see this team fitting in the West
1: or in the uh, Pacific? Well, here's another one, another interesting team. I mean, yeah, the expansion draft was very disappointing. Uh, first of all, we didn't we knew everyone that was going to be on the team before the draft was even held. Uh, and they didn't really draft a lot of high-end guys. I mean, Jordan Eberly's good, but is he really a top line winger that's gonna bring you? I mean, he'll probably torch the Canucks because he does that all the time. Uh <laughs> he's probably, but you know but for for forward debt for defense, I think they can compete. They got a really deep defense core. Uh, when Vince Dunn is you're on your third pairing, that's pretty good. Uh, you know, their forward group is going to be a hit or miss. I think if all the guys hit Jared McCann, you playing really well in the support role in Pittsburgh, but can he be a top six center every day, top six center? That's up in the air. We don't know. uh, playing behind Crosby and Malkin is, is pretty easy. I mean, <laughs> to play third line center and then come up and play with in top six sometimes, but playing a full season there, we'll see. Uh, forward group, I think is their weakest. Uh, but if they can play a strong defense first hockey with their goaltending, which is really good as well, it's, it's, it'll they could win some games because, you know, defense first can, you know, one, nothing two one games. We've seen teams do that.
2: But you don't see them doing a Vegas-type season, no. were
1: yeah. No, I, I don't feel like – I just don't see it. Like, unless – guys are surprised. Did we think Vegas was going to do what they did? No. They did? No. Um, their team looked a lot better when they came into the season. There was a lot of unknowns there, too. So they could do it. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you never know.
0: Now, with with Seattle, it was clear that they were using uh, some uh, some sort of defined analytics. Now, yeah. each team uses keys in on its own specific portions of an of uh, analytics, and it looked like Seattle, with their very large analytics group that they have in on hand, that's kind of what it looked like they were picking not so much the cap, but more, yeah. you know they're playing money puck. So yeah. what kind of analytics were they using? Cause I was just confused. Like the defense that made sense because it was a lot of puck movers, very mobile players, you know, it's the new format for the NHL defenseman, but yeah. you look at that forward group and you wonder what the hell were they thinking?
1: Yeah. It, the analytics, I was trying to look at that too of what they were trying to base it on and it's it's an interesting group. I mean, you look at who's their GM, Ron Francis, who great two-way player in his, in his prime. I think he looked a lot at versatility. A lot of these guys that are in this forward group can play multiple positions. There's a lot of center wingers. Um, there's a lot of guys that can play different ways. So, I mean, he was also signing a lot of one-year contracts. I mean, a lot of these guys aren't going to be on the team next season um is he looking towards the really strong free agent group coming up maybe i mean there's a lot of guys that think he could go after with a lot of cap space next off season so he's just saying well, we'll see what what we can do with this group now and then fortify it uh next off season we'll see we'll see when that when next off season starts but Yeah, it's interesting looking at the group of why he chose these guys, but I think versatility was a huge thing and just looking at a lot of the guys that they got.
2: If they didn't pick Victor Mete, they were not going by analytics whatsoever.
1: (laughs) No, right?
0: (laughs) So true.
2: Yeah, yeah. Greatest defenseman analytically in the NHL according to the Tiger team.
0: (laughs) As you can tell, we have a certain group that love to follow us and Love to chirp us about mente. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Although I don't know why
0: (laughs) (laughs) to each their own. Um, so we'll, we'll shift from there to the regional rivalry that has begun between Seattle and its next neighbor, Vancouver. Yeah. Saving this one for last because you're in Vancouver, you cover the Canucks, you're at the practices. So we, I knew it was going to hurt if we started off this way,
1: <laughs> because I'm gonna, I'm just going to flat
0: out ask it. What the hell is Benning thinking?
1: Oh, that's the prevailing question in Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> and that has not been asked just this off season. It's been asked like yeah. five, six off seasons. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you're looking at, I love, I, I really like the acquisition of Connor Garland. Um. And Ekman Larson, from what he's looked like so far, he looks like he, I mean, this is very early. Uh, His first game against the the Calgary Flames, he looked really good. He looked like the old Ekman Larson. His contract is massive. I mean, you're looking at a guy that, when he signed this contract, he was the prime, one of the best defensemen in the NHL, putting up 50-point seasons. And he was worth that money at that time. This time, maybe not. But I mean, he's still a great defenseman. He's still a good puck mover. But was this the right time for Benning to do this when you have two of your superstars needing to be signed? Who, by the way, as of this recording, is still are still not signed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where where I mean, is he getting the money? To... Yeah.
2: Where, uh, but, where is he getting the money to sign them? That, that's plus, what I, I
1: don't, because he doesn't have any money. Yeah. Well, he's got barely enough if he plays his, I mean, the cap space he has right now is with Ferland's LTIR uh, and Hamannick potentially not playing this season with that $3 million coming off as well. He may have enough, just enough, but with no wiggle room. I mean, and these guys need to be signed long-term. I don't think bridge deals are the way to go because they're just going to cash in even more when they hit the end of these things. Canucks have to sign Brock Besser coming up as well. Bo Horvath doesn't have as many years left on his budget-friendly contract as well. You're looking at a guy that could be getting paid way more than what he is now. Looking at comparables of what he does with this team. There's so many guys that... And then you've got young guys like Pod Coles and Hoaglander. Uh, Rathbone's come. You know, the, all these guys need to be signed once their entry levels are done. These capsules is just going to get worse. I think Hughes and Patterson will sign, but the cap space is going to be very minuscule when he does.
0: Now, are are Hughes and Patterson looking at um, a one year deal to help the team so they can fit under the cap, or either one of them looking for long term? Because I know uh, Hughes, he's a ten C RFA, so he can only negotiate with Vancouver. But uh, Patterson, he's open to talk to anybody.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the fear is that a team's going to swoop in and do a an offer sheet. I think it would have already happened if a team was going to do this and it would have to be a ridiculous contract to really push Benning to say, okay, we'll take picks. Um, it, I think Hughes, I said this on podcast earlier. I think Hughes contract is done already. Uh, I think they're waiting for Pedersen's to get dealt with before that's announced, because if they announce Hughes' thing, then, you know, there could be a little... The thing is, they have both of the same agent, so I think they're negotiating together. Uh, so, I mean, I hope it's done soon. I thought it was going to be done already. Brock Bessers was done when he, he went into training camp without a contract. It was done by day two of training camp. This is now getting into the third, almost, you know, it's going to be the third game of the preseason. They're still not signed. Uh, is Krill's
2: contract going to affect...
1: Patterson's. I think it, it has to. I mean, <laughs> you're looking at a young guy that's has one year in the NHL. He's, and getting,
2: nine he's, got,
1: he's getting nine million. Yeah. And Pedersen's been in a few seasons and he's established as a point-producing winger, centerman. Uh, I feel like, yeah, that contract has to. He, I mean, what, the agent's not going to look at that. I think he will. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm just saying, so, I mean, you're looking at Patterson. I mean, he could easily ask for 10, 10 and a half million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want any easily. less than
0: 6.1 because a five goal scoring center got
2: one.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I, I think this is the issue that's going to go forward. I mean, I'm going to get a little off topic here, but they're the, it's starting to turn a little bit like baseball where these contractors are just getting way too high yeah. for these players. And you're going to get into a situation like Vancouver's in now where, We can't afford, I mean, they can, like you say, they can just afford, but if Hughes wants 10 grand or if Hughes wants, I mean, even Hughes, Hughes could ask for eight, nine, 10 grand based on what other defensemen are getting. Um, Now to me, Hughes, I don't think Hughes is a very good defenseman in his own end, but I think he's one of probably the best offensive defensemen in the league. And what is that worth to you? And I think that's the issue that Benning's having now is Benning probably says, well, I want to pay these guys this and this. And they're like, Whoa, 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 (laughs) (laughs) you know, look at this guy, and this guy.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: And uh, I think you're going to see that for the next years to come on every team.
1: Yeah. I I agree with that. You're looking at, and that's why I thought the Canucks should assign these guys way before any of these contracts were going to become an issue but again, their agent is looking at it and saying, well, we're not going to do this until we start seeing some comparables. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the that thing. That's sense. what it's going to be, right? Yeah.
0: And then bending shot himself in the foot by going and picking up an $8 million contract Yeah. in uh, ekman Larson. Now, the, the Connor Garland trade, I love that for the, uh, for the Canucks. Yeah. He fits in really well uh, cap-wise, everything. But that $8 million on the blue line for OEL... That really handcuffs him, cap-wise. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, on the cap, and this is this kind of a roundabout way to get to it. And you mentioned Hamonic may not play. Do we have any word as to why?
1: There again, there's that's some the smokescreen. I, I there's been varying reports. I mean, one says that his personal issues, which I get. Um, we don't need to pry into his personal life. Um, one thing, another one saying, well, he doesn't want to get vaccinated again because of his family. And, you know, there's been you know, about his, his daughter and having the respiratory issues. And I get that that's family. That's something that should be way more important than hockey. But again, this is something shouldn't Benning have kind of done his due diligence with this uh, saying, well, we know COVID's an issue still, are you okay with getting vaccinated shouldn't these questions have been asked way before signing him and i think that's the issue i mean family aside get i get the fact with family like i said is most important um but this should have been discussed before he was signed this shouldn't even be an issue but now with the vaccination if it's a vaccination
2: thing is will he be able to go on ltir like will they be able to be able to take his money off
1: the off the books I'll well, see that there's there's another tough thing, right? Well, uh, that's the thing. The rule is, right?
0: yeah, the rule is he can opt out on uh, as yeah. of October first is the deadline. So we're recording; it's the thirtieth of September. He has until tomorrow to decide to opt out, and then yeah. it would come off the books.
1: Yeah, okay.
2: But if he just doesn't get back, so he can still play for Vancouver, he just can't leave Canada.
1: Yeah,
2: my, if I, I I think that's correct. He just can't travel to the states, or he can be. Uh, suspended with pay or something like that. Is that, or did I read that wrong? Yeah, suspended with pay. Yeah.
0: yeah, But but his cap would be on the books. That, yeah. that's what I'm
2: saying. So that would make it even harder for betting to sign.
0: Which brings it back I mean, to Matt's point: Why the hell wasn't this ass before they signed
2: yeah. him? Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, it's betting. You have, <laughs> in my opinion, one of the worst GMs in the league. So he used to be second worst.
0: Then Shirley got fired.
2: Correct. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your feelings is about betting, but I find Benning makes some very weird, odd, questionable moves. Yeah. Like, again, I didn't mind the trade with Arizona. I just didn't like the money that came Vancouver's way because I didn't see the need. They didn't have the space for the money to begin with, like what you said, because they have all these people they got to sign.
1: And now they're... Uh, I know. mean... <laughs> It's an awesome trade getting rid of all those bad, other bad contracts he signed, yeah. uh, Roussel, uh, Erickson, finally. Uh, and you're looking at, just an aside, Erickson goes and snipes a shot in preseason, and got a shot I've never seen in Vancouver. He's going <laughs> to score 30 goals in Arizona.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Make Benning even look worse, even <laughs> though it was a
1: good
2: trade. <laughs> it's Matt, don't just... be so pessimistic. <laughs> It's gonna it's make it gonna, happen. <laughs> <It's> gonna <laughs> happen.
1: But I mean Connor Garland's gonna score 25 in Vancouver. So
0: oh that it, it'll that was I think the biggest uh stroke of genius move on his part in the summer because yeah. Connor Garland, if he would have signed petterson those two together would be magic.
1: Oh yeah, he's already looked good with Pod colson and um and JT Miller, so yeah. It, it, he's very shifty for a small, I mean, not for a small guy, but small guys are usually shifty. Uh, he's, he's a very, he's, I'm very impressed of, you know, for so far what I've seen from him. So I think he's the, from looking at the trade of just Garland, it's an amazing, I didn't think when that trade came down, I'm like, oh, it's Ekman Larson. And then I said, Oh, Connor Garland's included too. I'm like, Oh, then that's even better. I uh, just looking at that. And that's what made me think, okay, the trades not, as bad and if fact Larson comes back to be that 40 50 point defenseman it's a great trade uh, but Ekman Larson hasn't been that for a few seasons hopefully a change of scenery on a better team maybe he can become that again is the net Demkos is he
2: the number one guy
1: oh it has to be if he's not I don't know what's wrong Falak <laughs> becomes the number one there's something wrong uh, I think Demkos the number one I think Personally, I, I wouldn't, if I was Benning, I wouldn't assign Halak. I would have gone with D. Pietro as the backup because D. Pietro's looked really good. He's looked like an NHL goaltender in camp so far. And he's going to play in Abbotsford probably 60 games from what has been talked about. He's going to play a ton. Uh, maybe it's good for his development. Probably is. Um, one season with Halak and then get with with Di Pietro. But uh, it's it's Damco's net for sure.
0: Now, before we, uh, we end it all, let's uh, let's walk through who you, well, before we get to the final three, do you think any of these teams in this division can add a wild card to the playoff picture
1: in this division? Uh, I, if I pick one team, I would say, I'm going to say it's probably the LA Kings. I, I think they're the wild card in this. Like I said before, I, I think their forward group can surprise, especially if all their young guys start hitting and start playing well and hitting their skill because they got a lot of skilled centermen, a lot of skilled, skill there. So I think they're the wild card in this division because there's a lot of unknowns that could just come out of nowhere. So who, who's going to be your top three? Um Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Vegas. They're going to win this division. I mean, that, that was without saying. Uh, it's going to be Vegas. I think the Canucks are going to sneak in at third and then Edmonton's two. Uh, but I think LA is going to push that. I think there's going to be a lot of jockeying in that last two weeks of the season. There's just going to be so many teams within points. It's going to be like one point will make the playoffs. And I think that's what it'll be.
0: Okay, and uh,
1: before we sign off, can you remind our listeners where they can find you and your work? Well, I'm, I'm at the Hockey Writers, write uh, primarily for the Canucks. About the Canucks, I'm uh, credentialed this season with them, so I will be at select games, won't be at all of them, uh, that's coming. Uh, but yeah, I'll be covering the Canucks all season at the Hockey Writers, and uh, we have Prospect Corner uh, YouTube show at the Hockey Writers as well. Uh, with Peter Baricchini Baricchini and uh, Greg Boysen, and we'll be talking prospects all season as well. And uh, of course, I'll be covering the draft again, uh, too. So lots of stuff. That that
0: sounds exciting. We can't wait to talk more about the draft, as uh, we love doing the draft as well. Um, And for our listeners who may not remember, we are also a Hockey Writers affiliated show. Uh, We're not produced by Hockey Writers, we're independent, but we work really well with you guys. So um, as always, you will always be welcome to come back at any time.
2: If you do one more show, Matt, you're in with uh, Craig button and John Lou as the people who have
1: done the most shows on our, on our, our, uh, (laughs) always happy to come on. I love, I love coming on these, on the shows. So shout out
0: to Lyle Richardson, Spectre's hockey. He's the champion. Oh yeah. Jason Paul. Yeah.
2: Great company to be in. Now that I think about it, math, you're way down the list. Never mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, you got, yeah. you got a beard going, so you're definitely in our group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it comes and goes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you
1: got to get, get gray the gray in the gray it.
0: But no, I, I really do appreciate you taking some time out coming on the show and giving us a a, a perspective of the pacific from the pacific so um again thank you very much and remember if you guys are talking about it so are we
2: have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post well if you're on twitter after dark you feel a little angry you can wear fire this fragrance is available on every social media
0: site on every message board. Fire Perky. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts take
2: a bath in. Fire Perky, You'll need no other fragrance.
1: And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet, wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods and on the Crier
2: Media Network.